0: Welcome, heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. I am your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about the things that go bump in the night, frighteningly imagined creatures, supernatural beings, and even some unsolved mysteries, but I promise all sorts of weirdness. So, sit back, grab your favorite drink, and prepare to be transported to today's dark enigma. And on today's dark enigma, well, today we have an interesting listener submission. And I will have a disclaimer on this particular story, but we'll get to that in a moment. All right. With all that said, we will still be playing our drinking game. And as you know, the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home and have nowhere else to go tonight. The choice of libation, as always, my darlings, is yours, so choose your poison accordingly. Alright, now for the game part. How about every time I say Charles, that's going to be a single shot, and every time I say Antichrist, that's going to be a double shot. Alright, now that we have the business end out of the way, we can jump headfirst into today's Dark Enigma. So, don your best scholarly robes and hats as we dive into today's Dark Enigma with Has the End Times Antichrist been identified through the Christian Bible and Revelation? And is it prophesizing Prince Charles of Wales, now King Charles III? Dom, dom, dom! Alright, so we're going to start with the disclaimer. As you guys know... I am not a highly religious person. I am spiritual, not religious. And today's topic focuses specifically on the Christian Bible. This is not a preference that I am picking. It's literally what the topic is about. Those of you that see yourself behind the Christian Bible, remember, this is a podcast and not a religious one. So if something is said that offends you, well, sorry, but not sorry. This is an open topic and debate, and I will try to see both sides of things. As for those who don't favor the Christian Bible, as long as what you have to contribute is respectful, then contribute. If you try to be all fundamentalist and crazy, and start spouting hate speak, I will block you immediately. That goes for everybody. It's my show, my rules. You don't like it. Tough. Wait until next week. Alright, now that I have said the disclaimer, I'm going to add this little piece to it. I have the utmost respect for the Queen Mother, and I myself have been grieving since her passing, so please do not mistake today's topic as a disrespectful rant. I have the utmost respect for most all of the royal family. Yes, I will admit I am not a fan of Meghan, but I will not speak ill of her publicly. So, if this is just not your cup of tea, I know, you see what I did there, then you know what? See you next week. That's perfectly fine as well. All right, let's jump in. I'm already regretting this decision, but you know, I told you if you send it to me, I'm gonna try. So, I'm trying, but there's a lot of Bible stuff in this one, so bear with me. Okay, the Bible describes a future one-world government leader, ruling for the last 42 months of the end times. And according to calculations, he should be alive today. So, does Revelation 13, that's the, you know, chapter and verse, clues, including the 666 to identify him, does it make it former Prince Charles of Wales, now King Charles III, Unfortunately, most people use human reasoning to pick the Antichrist. They expect somebody popular, likable, and charismatic. However, we need to understand and use the Biblical qualifications to identify the Antichrist that is found in Revelation 13. Also, we must keep in mind, whoever we find from this, if they seem not to fit today, that may not matter. Revelation 13 tells us that the Antichrist will die and will be resurrected, and that's from theologians. Yeah, I'm not going to know the books, so I'm, I'm guessing at some of these, because the lovely person who sent this in gave me all the Bible stuff. <laughs> I'm just going to say, I don't know most of it. Anyways, Theologians 2.4 tells us he will even claim to be God in the third temple. Now, anyone who suddenly can do miracles like a god after dying is going to be considered, you know, this person. Not the person that body used to hold with its old reputations. They will basically have a clean slate. Now, keep this in mind as you consider the former prince as a candidate for the Antichrist. And I want to stress this is a candidate, not a statement of fact. I want to make sure that that is very, 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 very clear. All right. And we're just utilizing the information that is given to us in the Bible and, you know, this person's information. So, born in 1948, the same year that Israel became a modern nation, he is a prince of the ancient people who came and destroyed the temple in Jerusalem, the Romans. His lineage chart is traces to every great world leader, including King David. He is referred to as the Son of David. His name can be calculated to the numerical value of 666 by the ancient Hebrew method in both English and in Hebrew. His calling card visually presents the composite beast made from the body of a leopard, the feet of a bear, and the mouth of a lion. His power throne, and great authority have been given to him by a red dragon. He wants to lead the European Union, or the ancient Roman Empire, and have dominion over all nations. His name is currently King Charles III, formerly known as Prince Charles of Wales and he is one of the leading candidates to be prophesied as the Antichrist. And I want to stress he is one of the many. And I cannot possibly stress that enough. Alright, moving on. When Satan made his second temptation offer to Yeshua, he offered the world in all its glory. But Yeshua better known as Jesus, by the way, turned down the offer of the devil to worship him as a god. However, someone else is prophesied to accept the devil's offer, and he is called the Antichrist. Yeshua called him the son of perdition or destruction. He will come not to do the will of God, but of himself. He will not have power of his own, but he will have influence, and others will give their power to him. The scriptures say that all the leaders of the world will commit to getting in bed with him. He will be the false shepherd leading the world to a three and a half year time period known as the Great Tribulation. Bible students and prophecy seekers have all wanted to know who he is. The Antichrist is the second most prominent person prophesied to come after the Messiah. So... Identifying the Antichrist, you know, seeing him in this lifetime, means two things. One, the end of the age, and that the Great Tribulation is soon coming, and that soon after, the Messiah would be coming to usher in God's kingdom. The scriptures say that the Antichrist will come to power and rule for 42 months. It is also said that his kingdom will be destroyed by the coming of the Messiah, Identifying the Antichrist is one of the most intriguing puzzles in end-time Bible prophecy. Some prophecy enthusiasts say that it absolutely cannot be done, meaning no one can identify the Antichrist. Some say that we will be raptured before he emerges. Others tag every public leader in the world as, well, the Antichrist. I personally pick Bill Gates, but that's just me, and that's because I have issues with Microsoft. Remember when everybody thought it was Henry Kissinger and he was said to be the Antichrist because of his statement that peace was at hand at the end of the Vietnam War? If you made the letter A equal 6 and then added 6 to each succeeding letter, B equals 12, C, 18, etc., etc., then Kissinger actually equals 666, or the number of the beast. Or when it was Ronald Reagan. Or how about when it was Bill Clinton, whose transliterated name in Hebrew equals 666 by the Gematria. And then there was Bob Dole, with his crippled right arm from a war injury, who seemed to match the Antichrist prophecy of that withered right arm. And there's been a host of other candidates for Antichrist. President George Bush, the Pope, Russian leaders, the Secretary General of the UN. That list just goes on and on. In prior generations, every knew, everyone knew that Hitler was it. So, if someone says, hey, did you know that the new King Charles III is the Antichrist, why should anyone give any serious attention to them? Let's be honest. If you go to another believer with any prophecy interest and suggest that the former Prince Charles is the Antichrist, then that person's going to accept your idea right along with UFOs, alien objections, the one-world conspiracy warnings of the Illuminati, a hot internet rumor about, you know, some girl who dated a terrorist just before an attack, investing in gold coins, long-term storage of wheat in buckets, and, you know, the cow jumping over the moon. I'm just saying, there's a lot of crazy stuff to believe. Although, you know my answer to that. It's always aliens. I'm just saying. But if the person that you speak with has no interest whatsoever in end-time prophecy, your suggestion of the former Prince Charles of Wales as the Antichrist will confirm his worst suspicions about you, and, well, they would just think that you're playing nuts. But you know what? You know me. I love the crazy people because, well, they're committed. But I'm bumch. Anyways, your friend is going to end the conversation with a funny look And the words, oh really, well, you know what, I gotta go now. But further saying that the current King Charles III is the Antichrist is outright slander. And one of the most despicable things that you could say of any public figure. But aren't you saying that King Charles III is the Antichrist? No, we're not. And I'm not saying that either. What we are saying is that he fits more identifying prophecies about the Antichrist than any other person in history to this point. When and if King Charles III receives the prophesized 42 months to rule, then we can proclaim it to everybody, and all doubt will be removed. But, you know, on month 43, <laughs> we're going to look like dumbasses. But that's okay, because you know what? That's why we have these conversations. Of course, there are some other prophecies that need to be met as well, but it's not inconceivable for all of these events to transpire soon. And before we examine what might be, let's examine what is already known about Prince Charles of Wales and review some of the identifying prophecies of the Antichrist. And I'm going to apologize because here's where the biblical stuff comes in. But I promise I kept it to a minimum. I chopped it down a lot. So we're going to start with Revelations 1318 and it says let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for the number is that of a man and his number is 666 now this is one of the more fascinating and intriguing verses in all of prophetic scripture This verse has caused more Bible teachers and students to chase their tails than any other verse. Because how exactly do you calculate the number? Obviously, each letter must have a numerical value, but what value is correct for each letter? Well, that answer comes from an understanding of the ancient classic languages of Hebrew and Greek. The numbers we use today are Arabic or Roman numerals. And much like Hebrew and Greek, English really doesn't have any numerals of its own. In ancient times, before there were Arabic and Roman numerals, a simple decimal system was used for each letter. That is, the first 10 letters were given the value of 1 through 10 in ascending order. The next letter, however, was not an 11, but instead 20. Thereafter, each letter was 10 more. At 100, the letter incremented by hundreds. Both Hebrew and Greek contained 22 letters. So, in essence, the greatest value of any letter was 400. The ancients simply used letters in place of numbers to indicate numerical values. Archaeology has found, for example, where a man etched a secret message in stone by saying, I love the girl whose name equals 545. It is a very simple system and can easily be adapted to English as well. When John wrote his prophecy giving the value of 666 to the name of the beast, the ancients had no difficulty understanding the intent. This would be a confirmation of a particular name and would help in the identification process. The key word calculate also adds to the mystery, as it is more technical than the simpler word count. To sum it up, this verse of scripture emphasizes that wisdom and understanding must be employed to draw a proper proper conclusion. And I'm just going to say that, you know what? It's a simple way of saying, hey, you really got to think about it and make sure that you really understand what you're talking about before you do this. So, for those of us that are not religious scholars, which is myself included, we have to take as fact, Yeshua must return in a Sabbath year. Three sabbath year cycle windows for the final 7 years were eliminated by scholars as 2003 to 2009, 2010 to 2016, and 2017 to 2023. So the next window falls in 2024 to 2030 based on the real end time signs from Matthew 24:14 that can be the one. If it is, the birth pains which is Wormwood, which is Luke 2110. Yeah, I'm not getting all of this reference, but whatever. Would hit near its middle in 2026 and Yeshua returning in 2030. So we got actual dates here. There has been a computer program that was created that would calculate the numerical value for English by limiting the system only to the first 22 letters as the ancients had done. They could type in all the names for all world figures past and present, calculating the gematria for each with computer accuracy. There was no expectation whatsoever when they started entering the names, only that it was pretty sure that Kissinger wasn't the Antichrist, which, by the way, he wasn't. Then it happened. The name for Prince Charles was entered, and the value displayed was 666. No matter how many times the name was entered, the calculation was the same. And this brings us to a quote from the book of Daniel 9.26, which states, Then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing, and the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war. Desolations are determined. Okay, I'm just going to say Revelation scares the absolute F out of me. Like, no joke. But I do love that, you know, George R.R. R. Martin did steal the whole the prince of who, who is to come for Game of Thrones. Okay, so the prince who is to come must be of Roman origin. It was the Romans who came and destroyed the temple of Jerusalem. The Antichrist must come from the fourth great beast described by Daniel, the Romans. Daniel later describes how the prince comes to power. And he states, and this is Daniel eleven twenty one, And in his place, a despicable person will arise on whom the honor of kingship has not been conferred, but he will come in a time of tranquility and seize the kingdom by intrigue. Prince Charles of Wales was and is a prince of the people who came and destroyed the temple and Jerusalem until the honor of kingship has been conferred upon him and his name equals 666 in English by using the ancient gematria method. Then it was decided to see if the Hebrew Bible would do the same thing. For that, scholars would have to go to Israel and find an authoritative source for translating his name into Hebrew. Mind you, this was all before his mother passed, so he was still Prince Charles. It ended up following how the Israeli press writes his name in the Hebrew newspapers, which is Nasik Charles Mewels is the name as pronounced in Hebrew. And yes, I did get a Hebrew friend to make sure I pronounced that correctly. But the statistical odds of it matching both in English and in Hebrew is astonishing. But the name Prince Charles of Wales in the modern accepted form of Hebrew calculates to 666 as well. So this is where I got interested. Because I was like, okay, one, whatever. Two, okay, that that has some weight. Alright, so you remember the story of Robin Hood and the archery contest? First, an arrow is shot at a great distance, striking the bullseye on the target. This is what that first calculation of Prince Charles of Wales to the English adaptation of the ancient Gematria. Next, Robin Hood shoots his arrow, splitting the first arrow into the bullseye. This is that second calculation, translated into Hebrew and then calculated to the same value. You won't have any name of another public figure in the world whose name equals 666 both in English and in Hebrew. Nor can you find another name of anyone in the world whose English name equals one value, translate it then into Hebrew and calculate the same value as before the translation. I think that this one fact about Charles makes him worthy of much greater observation. And I mean just observation. Don't go crazy. Now consider this. Charles means man or manly. And Revelation thirteen eighteen says that the number six 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 is that of a man. Now we could substitute the name Charles for the word man and it would still mean the same thing. Alright. So that's number one on our list of things to think about. But let's look at his calling card. And from Revelation thirteen one to two it states, And I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads, and on his horns were ten diadems, and on his heads were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like those of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his throne and great authority. Symbols and symbolic language frighten most readers of. Bible prophecy. Who in the hell knows what those symbols mean? From an interpretive standpoint, the fear is that anything can fit in any symbol by anyone with enough effort. But for most, the real mistake works like this if the symbol seems good, it must be about us. If it seems bad, it must be about our enemies. Mutant creatures with ten horns and seven heads and a beast made of different body parts must be bad right? So, most folks lay a heavy value judgment on it and begin adapting it to their own preconceptions. But, the writer of Revelation says that he saw something. Most prophecy teachers claim that this is symbolic and want to offer their preferred meaning to the symbols. What if they are wrong and it's just not symbolic at all? What if it is something actually seen and it has been there in front of us for years? What if it is something viewed as honorable in our world and it's just something common? What I mean is this. When you meet a prominent or important person, you basically receive their business card. It has the correct spelling of the person's name, their position, the company name, along with an address, phone number, email address, fax number, all that kind of information. And this is a common way that we meet people nowadays. However, if you ever meet Prince Charles of Wales or King Charles III, his business card has his coat of arms. This set of symbols is reserved strictly for him and is controlled by the College of Heraldry. It is his ancient calling card. And the coat of arms, for Prince Charles of Wales, is full of history and great meaning. It is the ancient way of identifying the royal families originating from the Holy Roman Empire. And it would take years of digging into and explaining all the meanings of his coat of arms. So we're really only going to focus on that heraldic beast and the dragon. That's it. Because seriously, this is already going to be a long episode. Alright, so the beast is a composite creature depicting the past. The body is that of a leopard, the feet are from the bear, and the head is that of a lion. The past emperors of the Roman Empire were from France, represented by a leopard, Germany, represented by the bear, and England, represented by the lion. This is the definition of the heraldic beast from the College of Heraldry, and it has existed for the past 500 years. It also matches the exact description as seen by the Apostle John in the Book of Revelation. The dragon comes from the flag of Wales. Prince Charles of Wales was more than just a name. It is the title of the heir apparent, the next in line for kingship. The red dragon dates back to the ancient Romans. Britannia was the head of the Western Roman Empire, and the symbol of Roman antiquity was, you guessed it, a red dragon. It is also the symbol seen by John to give the beast his power, throne, and great authority. The day that King Charles III received his title as the prince and his name officially changed, he was surrounded by banners of this red dragon at a castle in Wales. And this is why his coat of arms depicts the symbol in a supporting role. There is much more that could be said, but obviously time prohibits it. Prohibits it. But, you know, if you wish to delve into this, and this is wet your whistle, so to speak, and you want to see more about these other symbols as they relate to the Christian Bible, There is a book, The Antichrist and a Cup of Tea, by Tim Cohen, which would be a good start. I am going to say that it is a Christian book, but I have always said you should expand your horizons. If you're not Christian, you should read it anyways, just so that you understand what's going on in the world. But what you will discover is that every symbol in the coat of arms lines up with this one scripture. Is it an incredible coincidence, or is it possible that John actually saw this and was warning us? Before we move away from all these symbols, let's address the kingdom symbolized by the 10 horns and 7 heads. And it says, I saw a beast come up from the sea, having 10 horns and 7 heads. And on his horns were 10 diadems. And on his heads were blasphemous names. First, well, we're going to let the Bible explain the meaning of the ten horns and the seven heads. So we're going to go to Revelation seventeen nine through 13. The seven heads are seven mountains, on which the woman sits, and there are seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must remain a little while. And the beast, which was and is not, is himself also an eighth, and is one of the seven and he goes to destruction and the 10 horns which you saw are 10 kings which have not yet received a kingdom but they receive authority as kings with the beast for 1 hour these have one purpose and they give their power and authority to the beast just like revelation 13:18 these prophecies require some wisdom to properly understand them So, let's clear up the obvious. The Seven Mountains are a reference to Rome. The Kingdom of the Beast will originate from Rome, the ancient Holy Roman Empire. The Woman is a reference to the False Bride of the Messiah. Everyone is aware that the Catholic Church is headquartered in Rome. However, Protestant means protesting Catholic. So, it is the headquarters of the Christian Church. The reference to seven past kings is a historic description of the Holy Roman Empire. There have been seven Charles as emperors of the Holy Roman Empire. World Book Encyclopedia and other reference documents summarize the history of the Holy Roman Empire by these seven kings. This is a historical fact. This is not biblical prophecy. This is not me making shit up. This is historical fact but what makes this prophecy such a puzzle is its reference to the beast being also an eighth and is one of the seven the answer is simple and right before us they all have the name charles and king charles iii is the eighth when he rules over the ancient holy roman empire or the modern european union but how is he one of the seven well there's an answer for that he is a direct descendant of the charles the sixth, through the Habsburg line. So we have seven ancient kings that depict the the ancient Holy Roman Empire. What are the ten kings that rule with the beast for one hour? Well, there's some thoughts on that too. The modern European Union was formed in 1993, and it is made up of 15 European nations. It has a parliament in Brussels. It has a judiciary. It has an executive branch called the European Council of Ministers or the ECM with 27 rulers. It has formed its own currency and dollar. It has its own flag. The new euro has transformed Europe in a host of ways. They've gone way beyond the original idea of a common marketplace. The EU is well on its way to becoming an economic powerhouse. However, not every one of the 15 EU nations has signed up for the euro. Some are not economically strong enough to join the club, and some want to hold on to their own money. For example, the United Kingdom doesn't want to give up their pound sterling. Therefore, controversy has been brewing within the ECM. This is the executive function is to serve like the U.S. Federal Reserve, controlling the money. The EU doesn't want rulers from other European countries having a say about the euro if they aren't signed up for it. So the ECM is preparing to shrink in number accordingly. If this is the set of 10 kings spoken about in the prophecy, then it will be 10 and not 11. And it will go from 27 countries down to 11. Now, this is the interesting part. Each of these ministers in the ECM get to have the power to rule for six months each on a rotating basis. Each minister takes his turn serving as a president. However, this power sharing routine is not working. With only six months, there isn't enough time to really carry out any long-term plans. And the common complaint of retiring presidents is that more time needs to be given to the person in this office. The suggestion has been made that one person be given the power to rule more on the order like a U.S. president for a four-year term of office, but we're going to put a pin in that for now because there's some interesting coincidences and prophetic themes, and quite frankly, the the EU hasn't made up their mind what they're doing, so until they do, that's kind of like a, let's call it a red herring for now. All right, so the basic contrast between a Christ and an Antichrist, or a Messiah and an Antichrist, is supposed to be good and evil, right? Right? Evil never presents itself as black and white, or as death versus life. Evil always attempts to imitate good and offers itself as an alternative. The results are in sharp contrast, but deception has its initial appeal. The same can be said for the Antichrist. Yeshua was born in a humble setting with a destiny to be the king. Prince Charles was born in a royal setting with a destiny to be a king, and he is. Yeshua's dominant parent was his mother Mary, who had a cousin named Elizabeth. Prince Charles' dominant parent is his mother Elizabeth, who has a cousin named Mary. Yeshua's mother Mary has testified to us in scripture that Yeshua was born to be the Savior, thus he was called Yeshua, which means salvation. Queen Elizabeth once referred to Charles and has been quoted as saying, He is the chosen one the one destined to rule. The Bible is full of controversies between the plans and purposes of God versus the plans and purposes of others. The controversies of Ishmael and Isaac or of Jacob and Esau are but a few that could be mentioned. Ishmael was Abraham's firstborn, but he was not the son of promise. Esau was firstborn, but he despised his birthright and Jacob was the prophesied one. The Antichrist is to come with similar controversy, and it centers on who has the right to rule. Who is the true son of David? For it was David who was promised that this throne would never lack for leadership. Given the history of the world and everyone's migration upon the globe, even Jews lack the genealogical evidence to prove their ancestry. For anyone to be able to prove their lineage back to King David would surely be contested unless you're Prince Charles of Wales. His genealogical chart has been maintained throughout the centuries, and he can trace his birth back that far. Therefore, Prince Charles, or rather King Charles III, can and does claim to be the son of David, and this is a major precondition for laying claim to be the Messiah. Many prophecy students view the image of the Antichrist as a great charismatic fig- figure who sweeps the world off its feet with power, offering himself first as a hero, then turning to evil. These are the vain imaginations of men. The scripture presents the Antichrist as the person with no power, who usurps and influences others. Those with power give it to him. And to quote Prince Charles directly, he is said, I have no power of my own, but I have influence, and you will have to see what I do with it. And the prophet Daniel offers this intriguing element about the Antichrist, and this is from Daniel 11.37, and he, the Antichrist, will show no regard for the gods of his fathers or for the desire of women, nor will he show regard for any other god, for he will magnify himself above them all. Charles in recent years has caused some concern for his decision to change one of his titles. The title in question was Defender of the Faith. He has changed it to say Defender of the Faiths. His rationale is that he wants all of his subjects to identify with him, not just the Christians. This is a major departure from the past. The King of Great Britain is in the position of being head of the Church in opposition to the Pope. King Charles III apparently does not regard the gods of his father. The next phrase of the prophecy says, no regard for the desire of women. Now, When Charles married Lady Diana, many prophecy teachers dismissed Charles as the Antichrist candidate on this alone. They need to examine the prophecy a little bit more. It is Diana that actually uniquely qualifies Charles for this prophecy. There is two ways to regard the prophecy no desire for women. One is from the homosexual standpoint. The biblical expression, no desire for women, generally means there is instead a desire for men. But Prince Charles, just prior to marrying Lady Diana, was fending off hints and suggestions that he was homosexual. These rumors persisted even after his marriage. However, Stephen Barry, the 11-year personal valet for Prince Charles, wrote a book entitled In His Royal Service that quelled these rumors. Stephen Barry asserted as his personal valet, he could verify that Charles was all man and that these rumors were simply that, rumors. He himself offered his own personal witness that King Charles, or Prince Charles at that time, was heterosexual and that he had assisted in some arranged meetings with other ladies. And everybody pretty much accepted Stephen's testimony until he died of AIDS three years after leaving Prince Charles' employment. And it was obvious that Stephen Barry himself was homosexual. But it's in the secondary meaning of no regard for the desire of women that brings Diana into the picture more clearly. A more modern translation would read, He will have no regard for the most desirable among women. The word desire is an adjective of women, not a verb for the Antichrist. No regard is the verb for the Antichrist. And this brings us to the special role of Diana in Charles's life. Without any doubt, the world regarded Princess Diana as one of the most desirable women in the world. This is the woman that Charles has said publicly, I have no desire for her. Additionally, you may recall that Diana is the ancient name of a goddess worshipped by the Romans. There are a number of mythological symbols and stories and that meld into this entire scenario. Charles's marriage and relationship with Diana did not disqualify him in this prophecy. It uniquely qualified him. And how the Antichrist comes to power and is given the authority to rule for 42 months are some of the most specific prophecies about him. Let's examine what the prophet Zechariah says as he compares the Antichrist to the evil shepherd. And this is going to be Zechariah 11 4, 6. Thus says the Lord my God. Pasture the flock doomed to slaughter. Those who buy them slay them and go unpunished. And each of those who sell them says, Blessed be the Lord, for I have become rich. And their own shepherds have no pity on them, for I shall no longer have pity on the inhabitants of the land, declares the Lord. But behold, I shall cause the man to fall. Each into another's power and into the power of his king. And they will strike the land and I shall not deliver them from their power. The first step of the Antichrist coming to power is us losing control of our own national sovereignty. This prophecy says that we lose control of our own selves and then we are given over into the power of our own ruler. Our own ruler will then give his power to the Antichrist. With each succeeding step of globalization, emergency government powers, and internal security requirements, our personal freedoms are inching their way toward capitulation. With the September 11th attacks, Congress had enacted legislation that has increased the power of government and decreased the privacy of people. Now, we all understand the reasons, and we agree with what had to be done, but the we also have to understand that this is the same process described by the prophets. And this is Zechariah 11, 7 to 11 and 14. So I pastured the flock, doomed to slaughter, hence the afflicted of the flock. And I took for myself two staffs. The one I called favor, and the other I called union. So I pasturized, I'm sorry, so I pastured the flock. Then I annihilated the three shepherds in one month, for my soul was impatient with them, and their soul also was weary of me. Then I said, I will not pasture you. What is to die, let it die. And what is to be annihilated, let it be annihilated. And let those who are left eat one another's flesh. And I took my staff, favor, and I cut it in pieces to break my covenant, which I had made with all the peoples. So it was broken on that day, and thus the afflicted of the flock who were watching me realized that it was the word of the Lord. Then I cut my second staff, union, in pieces to break the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. So the Antichrist comes to power under two staffs called union and favor. The actual rise to power is in the midst of ten kings by uprooting three of them. According to the prophecy, the Antichrist will be impatient with the three, and they will be weary of him. The remaining seven will give their power to him. This description is not of a powerful, handsome leader who sweeps everybody off their feet. It is better described as the political intrigue of our own present day. The present European Union is simply referred to as the Union, those nations who have agreed upon the euro dollar are said to have received favor. The power that the Antichrist will be given and wield is economic, the very aim and purpose of the European Union. So let's look at Daniel 7.24. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings will, ru- will arise, and another will arise after them, and he will be different from the previous ones and will subdue three kings. Prince Charles of Wales is not an elected official as the rulers of the European Union. He is a monarch. Therefore, as the prophecy says, he is different from them. Maybe you're wondering if Prince Charles has any interest in leading Europe. Well, you know what? He does. He tried to influence the original definition of the ECM in its formation in 1992, He argued that the monarchy was the most stable form of government, but Europe was into democracy and they turned him down. But the prophecy says they will consider his offer when they become a group of ten kings. From Revelation 17.12 And the ten horns which you saw are ten kings, who have not yet received a kingdom, but they receive authority as kings with the beast for one hour. There are two competing models for the definition of world globalism. One is the UN model, and the other is the European. The UN wants one big, great community of everyone helping everybody. The European model divides the world into three parts. Developed nations, developing nations, and undeveloped nations. The European model contends that there are not enough resources in the world for all nations to be developed, and therefore, part of the world needs to be sacrificed to meet the need of the others. The European model also contends that there is not enough food to go around, and the world population should be significantly reduced. Well, there are billions of people right now, and I can tell you that they think that 2 billion would be a much better number than the 7 billion that we currently have, and I think it might be 8. But the language of Zechariah suggests that the Antichrist will be the guy who leads the world while the large number of people die from starvation and lack of resources. I hate to say it, but Charles is a globalist, and he is the leading proponent of the European model. Now, present rumblings out of Europe with the advent of the euro and its currency is calling for a new definition for the European Council of Ministers, and the authority that, the pres- that its president should have. And the pros- prophecy is very specific that we will know that he is the full 42 months on the day he begins to rule. Some critics just can't imagine mild-mannered, meek, geeky Prince Charles or King Charles III having the necessary fiber to be a world leader, let alone the feared and mighty Antichrist. I rarely get to discuss this objection face-to-face because when I do, I remind them that Hitler was a corporal in World War I, and his wimpy style didn't stop him from leading the world in World War II, which killed 50 million people, including 6 million Jews. Yeshua refers to the Antichrist as the son of perdition or destruction, because he will kill more people than anyone in the world has ever come close to killing. The prophecy says that the Antichrist will be assassinated prior to him coming to power. And that's Revelation thirteen three. And I saw one of his hands as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed, and the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast." And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast, whose fatal wound was healed. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs which it was given, to, given him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life." Revelation speaks of the Antichrist as having a fatal head wound. The Antichrist's counterpart is to assist in reviving the Antichrist. Political assassination is something this generation is well aware of. From the Kennedys to Martin Luther King to Sadat Rabban, we're very aware of how assassination news travels and is regarded. Can you imagine an assassination that results in a resurrection? this is what the prophecy says about the Antichrist. Whether this produces additional public support or not is debatable, but the prophecy relates to it each time the false prophet promotes the beast. But it won't be a complete healing. The prophet Zechariah says there will be some residual effects from the wound. Apparently, he will be blind in his right eye and his right arm will not work either. And that's from Zechariah 11:17, 17 that says, woe to the worthless shepherd who leaves the flock. A sword, a sword will be on his arm and on his right eye. His arm will be totally withered and his right eye will be blind. As for the idea that the Antichrist must parallel the real Christ is only a fanciful theory the Bible does not say he gains power by pretending to be Jesus in every way, but it shows that he comes to power right after and directly from the wormwood caused global chaos and famine from Revelation 6 to 8. A power void from America's destruction, which is in Revelation 17, 17 to 18, through miracles to convince everyone he is God, which is Revelation 13, 2, and Thomas 2 and 4 and his armies defeating those who defeated America Daniel 11:4 and Revelation 9 to establish peace, safety and prosperity during the length of his reign which is Matthew 24. Finally the age of any antichrist candidate is not a factor. It says he will die and be raised from the dead in Revelation 13. So how is age a barrier? Also Prince Charles or King Charles III's grandmother died at 101 his mother was 96. It may be the DNA in that bloodline, but either way, King Charles III has some great genes, and, every, and anyone with the power of Satan won't be stopped by such conventional concerns. Now, of course, Prince William is yet another Antichrist candidate who only fits when you ignore the specific details given in Revelation 13. But the Bible gives us specific detailed criteria to identify the Antichrist, the gematrio number of his name and an iconic calling card of a strange beast. King Charles III and his heraldic achievement are a literal fit for both of these respectively without twisting the plain sense meanings. Further, his heraldic achievement is different than his father's. He still has the main leopard lion bear beast, but is missing several items like the full ten horns, the dragon, who gives him his power, and the one horn with eyes of a man, or the unicorn. It would be a mistake to take our focus off these important criteria and instead to judge subjectively using traditional leadership criteria as people often do. They say Charles is too old, too wimpy, too disliked, too stupid, or too whatever. I find people who pick Prince William or Javier Solana or some Muslim leader tend to argue it that way, but when you stop and think about it, isn't there an argument for just about anyone? And with that, my darlings, we have come to the end of our episode. I thank you for joining me here today, and I hope you will take some time to reach out to me and share your thoughts on today's topic. I hope you do. As always, you can reach me and the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And if you have a suggestion for a future show, you just want to tell me what you think, you're bored, you need someone to talk to, or you would like to discuss this topic further, drop me a line because I do reply to every single email. I would like to stress one more time that as the world grieves for our beloved Queen Elizabeth passing, I know that his her son feels the same. And again, this topic was suggested. I'm not saying I believe that Prince Charles might be, but it's an interesting thought. And you know what? Honestly, we've had enough of death and destruction. Can we just have a little happiness? Anyways. On that note, that's all the time I have for you this evening. I thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio. And you guessed it, don't forget to tune in next time, my darlings. See you, my havens. I love you. Mwah, 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 mwah. We don't sugarcoat shit. <laughs> this is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.